All right, so this is Orpheus, a Netflix original series. I'm Devin, and with me tonight is... Kevin, hello. So, there's not an episode happening right now. This is actually a small preface we're doing before new episodes start coming out. Um, As we talked about in the introduction... Uh, we're doing sort of mini arcs, maybe three or four episodes that are basically like a like a tiny movie or you know very tight uh, season of say a Netflix series or whatever. And this season, the first one we're going to put out um, is uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Now, Five Nights at Freddy's is a fairly recent phenomenon. It started, um, I think, the demo for the first game came out two years ago. And six days, if, if I'm reading this right. It's the 30th now, and yeah, uh, July 24th, 2014, the demo appeared, and they kind of changed the landscape for indie horror and for Twitch streamers. Yeah, so many shitty uh, knockoffs. And so many really good ones, too. Yeah, Some yeah, really fun ones. It did inspire a lot of, you know, kind of read out the horror genre as far as indie developers go. It, yeah, it made waves. So let's dive into what Five Nights at Freddy's is. Um, Fighters of Freddy's is a point-and-click survival horror video game, if I'm reading the Wikipedia right. It was created by one Scott Cathorn. And Scott is a prolific fellow. Um, just looking at his little database of games, he, produ- he produced 30 before Five Nights of Freddy came out. Uh, and then as soon as Five Nights of Freddy came out, he did that. And then that same year he did a sequel. And then two more sequels in 2015... And then two more sequels in 2016, um, World being uh, the, the, the other, at least the first of the two 2016 sequels. Right, right. Um, yeah. Which diverged a bit from the formula, but yeah. So Scott is kind of the gold standard people use, um, aside from Notch, for how working at something that you like and having a passion project can eventually pay off. And people might only see the thing that pays off and not see the endless amounts of toil that goes on in the background. So, like, all right, Notch, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, He made Minecraft. Everyone's like, oh, look, he's a billionaire. He made it. You know, he just got lucky one day. Well, that's fucking bullshit. Because if you read Notch's, like, like, past about him, he produced, like, hundreds of, like, these little simple concept games that went nowhere and just, he never really released to a wider audience, made for himself just to make. And Scott's the same way. He's just, he didn't get quite as big as Notch, but, you know, he, again... There's like 30 games. There's 17 in 2014 before Five Nights at Freddy came out. And a book, I think. Really? Yeah, I think there's a book. Cool. So, basically, uh, he, he is part of this, this, this elite kind of group of people who worked really hard, threw these kind of concepts at the wall, and one of them stuck and changed everything. So... People like their jump scares. Yeah. Yeah, actually. Um, Five Nights at Freddy is a game... Uh, that takes place at a Chuck E. Cheese slash Showbiz Pizza uh, location for kids. You know, you go there, they serve pizza and orange soda or whatever, and there's animatronics, and they sing and move around, and there's ball pits and prizes and tickets, and you get, like, erasers or, like, shitty stuff you bring home that, you know, doesn't really last, but you've gone for tickets. And the workers basically babysit your kids while you sit on the sidelines and pretend they don't exist for an hour. We actually had uh, one of those in Thunder Bay. We had two of them. We had uh, Ron's Virtual World, which I think is out of business now, which is fairly 
disconcerting because <laughs> it was always there when I was a kid. It was always kind of a special thing to go to. It, they had laser tag. Hmm. Like they had this whole big interior room that had like shuttle doors that like led you into the laser tag room. And like they, they really put the, the what do they call it? The K-Fab on. That made it actually seem like you were like a, like a Starship Trooper soldier going on in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other one was Wiggles and Giggles, which is for the younger kids, which is um, essentially they, instead of putting the floor space towards like games or arcade stuff, they put tubes, tubes everywhere, like three stories worth of tubes and pipes to crawl around in. Sometimes a child never came out, but you know. Yeah. So this is where Five Nights at Freddy takes place. And the, the, the kind of premise of the game is these animatronics are, I think it's in the 80s or the 90s, or the 2000s. It's never quite clear. Hmm. Based on the game you're playing? I think it's in the 80s. It time skips a lot. Like yeah. The second one is a prequel. Spoilers. Whatever. I don't think saying that a video game's a prequel is a spoiler. Yeah. You know. Um, but... It takes place in this this pizzeria or this this kid's place after dark, and you're a security guard, and you're in the security office. And because this place was made by Wayland Yutani or I don't know any one of those evil future corporations, I guess it is needlessly complexly hostile to employee life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are like the Cyberdyne systems of uh, amusement centers for kids. So you're in the security room and you have a battery meter and that's your resource. And the reason you have a battery meter is because you have to check the cameras. The game takes place through looking at images that change when you don't look at them. So you cycle through cameras and the animatronics are in the back and for, for, for reasons, strong quotes, they have to wander the store at night to not make sure the hydraulics don't lock up. They're really throwaway reasons. They just wander because it's in their programming. Yeah, horror movie reasoning. It's fine. Yeah. So they wander and they need to wander to, so their hydraulics don't lock up. So they just wander around the store at night. And because their programming was made by, uh, you know, Wayland Yutani, uh, if they see a human being after dark, they assume it's another animatronic. And these animatronics are scary. They're a Terminator endoskeleton with teeth and eyeballs uh, inside a giant stuffed animal suit. And the animal suit is full of like rebar spikes and stakes and knives to like hook up into the endoskeleton to make it more articulated. So if they see you out of a, if they see you after hours, they think you're a naked endoskeleton and they'll be like, oh, you need to be in a suit. And they'll grab you and drag you into the back and stuff you inside one of these suits, essentially crucifying you. Except for your eyeballs. Yeah, and it's the only like, thing anyone will ever see again. Yeah, they'll, they'll essentially iron maiden you in a Chuck E. Cheese suit. And your only defense is two solid doors. Uh, yeah, and the first game you had two doors. And because this is a Looney Tunes world, if you hit the lock button on either door, the door will shut. And if power runs out, the locks in the doors will unmagnetize and they'll automatically open. And the power to lock the doors, turn on little hallway lights, and look at your camera, are all tied onto the same battery. So you need to get from, like, midnight to 6 a.m. and make sure the animatronics don't kill you. And the only way to know the animatronics don't kill you is to watch them on the cameras and keep track of them. So this doesn't sound that impressive off the bat, except for how the animatronics kill you, which is amazing jump scares and uh, uh, shock effects. They just come right out spooking you. It's, you hear them in the room, too. Like, you'll hear their breathing if they get in. An excellent use of horror ambiance and show and kind of show-don't-tell and, like, even Jaws effects. Like, sure, you see the monster, but you don't see 
them kind of coming to get you until it's too late. Um, for anyone playing the first game, the first night's kind of an easy night. You know, you can die in it, whatever. But on the second night, you get a message about a bonus animatronic you didn't know about that if you don't watch on the cameras, because you could basically keep an eye out on the hallways and use your lights to kind of check if they're there. But if you don't watch this one, it will run screaming towards you and kill you. Yep. It's only what you see moving on camera, too. Yeah. And this one, though, the, 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 the dirty pool about it is that while you're listening to the voicemail in the beginning part of the level, if you're not already checking the cameras and you just wait till the end of the voicemail before you begin the level, he will already have gotten there to kill you and jump scare you. Right at the very end, yep. Yeah, it's beautiful. Really fun, really tense. It gets you going in that way that kind of shocks you and stuff. So... That's kind of what the game is. That's who the creator is. Um, it's it's a darling series. The creator just keeps putting them out. They're all different and unique, different uh, mechanics and stuff. And there's just enough lore, just enough lore that people mm. go wild with it. And that's kind of where the popularity comes from, I think, is that people will extrapolate from there and make up their own reasoning and stories. You know, they give personalities to... It, it hit that fan sweet spot that, like, Steven Universe and... Um, what's another show like Steven Universe that kind of hits there that people kind of go crazy over? Gravity Falls? Gravity Falls. Adventure Time, but I feel that's burned off by now. Yeah. Adventure Time just seems to be its own show now, and people aren't making insane guesses anymore, because the answers to their insane guesses ended up being way more extreme than they ever thought. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that fan base has kind of given up on trying to guess what the future is at this point, because they're like, nope. Meanwhile, with Five Nights Freddy's, with every game, they don't explain anything further. For the most part, it's just they add on to what you can guess about. Yeah, the first few nights, because there's five nights, right? So the first two or three, it's like, oh, the animatronics are homicidal. Go fuck yourself. Mm -hmm. But then by, like, the fourth or fifth night, it becomes clear there's a supernatural element going on. They twitch in front of the camera. Uh, it causes interference. You see visions, and there's, like, some ghosts kind of stuff going on. It, it, it flips it over on its head and it goes from being just a mundane horror of like a situational horror to be full on adult audience supernatural horror. Yep. And that's great too. Uh, and, you know, uh, this kind of has sent ripples to the community because there is backstory and there's there's stuff going on. There, there's a man in yellow or a man in purple. purple yeah. There's a man in purple and there's children that are missing and there are ghosts. And in the second game, which is a prequel... Yeah, it's a prequel. There are there are there are there are more advanced models in the animatronics in the prequel because they were wanting to make them a little more cuter. And then you find out that the ones you were working with in the first game that are older were the ones that they decided to stick with. So there, mm. there's all sorts of stuff going on, and the there's fan base puppet and just and the creator uh, Scott, he's really great with like feeding the fans kind of hints and pointing them in the right direction. There's like mysteries and puzzles you can decode, and like there's little Easter eggs in every frame because it's all very still painted. But people have taken screenshots and zoomed in, and I think the biggest thing like in the first game was uh, you get a call in the final night, and it's like a reversed garbled like satanic kind of voice, and it led to a lot of theories. Yeah, so it's a very rich series to mine, and. I don't know. My, my first introduction to Five Nights at Freddy's was I was watching um, Rage Quit. They're a Rooster Teeth video with that guy. Um, Gavin? I think so. Gavin, Gavin and Michael. Right? And they're watching it and it, they have a little camera on them and they're, they're not the usual Twitch streamers or like video game Let's Play streamers that are like doing an act. They seem, they seem to be a little more grounded. 
And uh, when the first scare happened, uh, the Australian one, who's kind of goofy, uh, ran from his computer and they had, and they like turned the camera and he was like he had like hid himself in a corner, like he got that spooked. And it, it seemed fairly genuine. It might have been acted, but it was funny as shit. People tend to overreact to those, but yeah, funny as shit. Yeah, Five Nights is kind of displaced. Uh, I think it was the game that displaced Amnesia. Kinda, yeah. I mean, Amnesia was big for a bit. Those kind of games are big. Amnesia was bread and butter for Let's Players. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, as far as if we're going to talk about the the kind of legacy that Fri- that Freddy's left, um, Amnesia was the one game that no matter what Let's Player I would ever kind of look into or hear about, or even friends I talked to about it, mm-hmm. they'd always have an Amnesia Let's Play. Oh yeah, totally. And I think Mark Plyer's the guy that really brought that to the forefront. Uh, him and what's his face, it was PewDiePie, I think. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. well, that guy's probably the more important one in this story. Yeah, no. <laughs> He's the one who probably did most of the heavy lifting there. Hmm. Um, yeah. So when Five Nights came out, that was the game that kind of became the default horror one. And probably for a lot of reasons. One, more jump scares. Like, the jump scares are guaranteed. And the jump scares are what people like watching when you watch horror stuff. Oh, yeah. It's, it's kind like, of inevitable that it's going to happen. But it's baked right in. Like, when we do Silent Hill, there are some jump scares, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, like we, we play Silent Hill Shattered Memory sometimes. And, like, it's fun watching other people play because they get spooked. Mm-hmm. But with Five Nights, you're guaranteed to get it. It's going to happen. And that's, it's kind of like the um, the more streamlined version of the Amnesia plays. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you don't have long periods of time where you're, not, where you're saying nothing or doing nothing. There's always kind of a tension in the background. Oh, yeah, you've got to constantly be on the move. So, yeah. Yeah. Stuff's always happening. Nights only last, like, what, ten minutes? Yeah, I think so. Ten minute sessions, so you can go through the whole game in an hour if you're not restarting the levels. Mm-hmm. That is That is ideal for doing a Let's Play. Yeah. And that's kind of the niche Five Nights kind of, you know, locked itself into, uh, which is great. So it has a lot of material that's rich for mining for Orpheus. And uh, we've already recorded the session by the time you'll hear this listener um, or listeners. But uh, we we thought that, yeah, this would be a perfect thing to do as kind of a horror thing. It, it's different. It's strange. It fits into that nice little kind of category that defines the horror genre for us. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, when we were first talking about it, we talked about different things we would kind of ape or, you know, rip off. Yeah, different horror tropes, different horror movies and cultural things. And Amnesia and Five Nights at Freddy have kind of taken over the video game horror concept. And and Freddy's is kind of the the peak right now. Yeah, still, (laughs) even after two years, it's still kind of the big one. Three years have come out, and it, it, it is it is at the top of the charts. People are trying to make, you know, people are trying to hit that, strike lightning twice with that, and still. Yeah. A few of them have managed, but not. Yeah. No. There's even an amnesia, I think the, 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 the last amnesia, uh, rip, or not ripoff, but like. A me- machine it, for pigs, or? Not a machine for pigs. The last amnesia kind of homage game I saw was Soma. Right, Soma. That was more of a, was there? Yeah, I guess that was. Yeah, it, it was the same formula. Oh for yeah, it was by, it was by the guys who did. I think it was by Amnesia actually. As for if I'm going to even call it a homage, it was it was them <laughs> taking the idea further. Yeah, but other than them, I haven't really seen other horror games you can kind of let's play that are like Amnesia. Mm. So whereas Freddy's, you're, you're starting to see that more and more and more. A lot of more of the jump scary games are starting to pop up. Yeah, which is fine. I don't know. I don't hate or hate jump, or dislike yeah. them. Jump, like the jump scare is very hit and miss as far as like people go but you always get a pretty good one out of the freddy game yes. you can do it right like there's a right way to do a jump scare thing there's a wrong way so was the, was the third one the one where you have spring trap uh yeah that was the one of spring trap 
And the fourth one, you're in a, you're in a house. Yeah, you're in your bedroom. See, that's the thing. All three of the all three or four of these games change it up so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think yeah. I think by the second game, you don't have doors you can lock anymore. By the second one, you have a mask and a flashlight, which is the equivalent of hiding under a blanket, which really taps into that kid horror thing. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um. So yeah, this Freddy has has ripped out its own genre, basically. And that is what we'll we'll kind of explore in Orpheus. Mm-hmm. So the, the the series of episodes you're probably about to listen to, if you're listening to this one first, um, are going to take place pro- probably over three or four sessions uh, in different kind of time increments. Yeah, like the first one will be their first encounter with the concept, and it's and it is the Freddy's franchise. It's a Seattle franchise they're dealing with. Right, they're they're trying to you know interact with. And yeah. then there's a return in the in the second part probably, and then third and fourth part there might be other stuff happening. Yeah, yeah. Like the games are canon in this universe for the most part. Like no way, it's two thousand one. Yeah, yeah, it's two thousand one. It's not like we're just taking place during it. Oh, I, I see what you mean. No, yeah, not that the games exist, but like the franchises. Yeah, exist. yeah, the franchises. The franchises exist. do exist to and a what point. happened during them. Yeah, of. it's kind of all there. So, I don't know, what are we good to talk about? What, what are the kind of themes that translates over from the game into Orpheus? Uh, possession of objects, uh, ghosts lingering after their deaths, and... Uh... I was thinking, like, um, isolation. Isolation? Yeah. Like, we just ran this session uh, with Nicole and Kevin, and even with the, those two, their, like, third-party member that's an NPC and another NPC on site, all... Both players were felt super isolated the whole game. Mm-hmm. In like a little, you know, Chuck E. Cheese's layout. They even had a map and it was still incredibly isolating. We consistently split up and uh, for several reasons. Some of us could get places others couldn't. And... Yeah. Yeah. Due to your nature as projectors and due to just the different skill sets you had and circumstances, you had to split up and you did. And it was achieving different goals. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Tension, uh, like the kind of tension of knowing there's going to be a jump scare or something horrible happening, and that that kind of building up until it gets cashed in. That's a big thing. Yeah, the bathroom scene was big. Um, The idea that there's something that should be safe around you, and you know that it's not. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And that's what Freddy is great at subverting, because, you know, Chuck E. Cheese animatronics are horrifying. They really are. Like, but not for the reason that kids would be afraid of them. Like, kids are like, oh, it's a scary... It's clown fear. Yeah, yeah, it's but uncanny for, valley. But for an adult, it's like, what if that thing falls on a kid? It's probably like, you know, like a couple hundred pounds of steel. Mm. What if they pinch their fingers in one of its, like, you know, moving parts? Mm-hmm. You know, what if it catches fire or shocks someone? What if there's a sharp bit of metal on it, you know, from just wear and tear? Um... Being in a being in a place that's supposed to be happy at, at alone at night. Yeah, yeah. If you're in a carnival alone at night, you're gonna be probably terrified. There are a lot of unfamiliar shapes around mm-hmm. that really throw people off. Yeah. Um, a lot of fodder for good kind of tension and horror in the background. A lot of fear effects, basically. Mm-hmm. What else? I think the cameras have a lot to do with it. Witnessing horrible things from another distance. You know it's out there. You're not there witnessing it yourself, but. Yeah, definitely with that. That that came up in this one, too. The cameras actually uh, played a part and, and were necessary. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's much else to say, really, about it. Um, maybe we should talk more about the actual Fighters of Freddy games. Sure, sure. I mean, 
listeners coming in on this who know about the games are going to know about it anyway, so that's not that big of a deal. And yeah. people might, like, we might throw out terms way too fast. So, yeah, we'll spend this half getting to the nitty-gritty of the, the world. So, uh, Kevin, if you'd be so kind, um, what is the Freddy Fazbear's franchise? Okay, it is just like Chuck E. Cheese. It's uh, any of those, however, uh, very low safety standards, kind of a cartoonishly corrupt owner, things like that. And it is a it is a chain that has been haunted consistently since its opening with uh, various, you know, tragedies and things they've had to cover up or haven't. Children disappearing or being injured. Uh, it's workers being injured. Things mm. like that. What about the animatronics? Tell us about the animatronics. The animatronics. Because they're kind of the stars of the show. They kind of are. So, um... Maybe the, uh, the first game ones. First game ones. Okay. There are four of them. Freddy, a bear. Bonnie, a rabbit. Chica, a chicken. Duck, one of the two. I think it's a chicken. And Foxy, who is, of course, a fox. And... Not just any fox, Kevin. A fox pirate. Pirate fox. Probably the most dangerous one, actually. Yeah, we were talking a bit about him earlier, actually. Yeah. He's uh, he's the fast one. He doesn't like being watched. But he also doesn't like not being watched. Well, he does like his ending your day, ruining it. <laughs> and, of course, there's the fifth one, the golden bear, that you kind of see, kind of don't. Yeah, and it's different, because I don't think it's an actual animatronic. That's an actual, like, haunted costume. Yeah, yes, the costume. That's, like, that dead, empty second. eyes. Yeah. Or it might just be an empty, uh... Because, uh, actually, I think it's the costume. There are two costumes out there. One is the rabbit, and one is the bear. Mm-hmm. And both could have animatronics in them, but they could also have people wearing them. It's just, if you hit the wrong switch, all the, uh... Rebar. Yeah, yeah. So, what Kevin's saying is that, you know how the endoskeletons have their own costumes, right? They made a version of the costumes that employees could wear for, like, birthday parties or some stupid shit. But because they wanted it to be a thing that also the animatronics could use... Instead of it being just a person costume, it's just a, it's, it's a standard endoskeleton costume with all the pointy bits in it. And there's a spring-locking mechanism to crank all that stuff to slide and hide into the costume and not hurt the, wheel, the wearer. Except, I guess it's cheap or poorly made or just like the horror movie tension moment, the Chekhov's gun. Because <laughs> at any moment, that spring mechanism can fail and everyone gets impaled by the spikes inside the costume. Yep. What the fuck? And that has evidently happened once or twice within their, uh... Yup. So, yeah. Um... Alright, and what about the, the, the silent protagonist the character plays? Literally, the only thing that is explained about the character in the first game is that he's Mike Schmidt. And that he's, he's willing to just do this job despite his really, really shitty pay. Like, amazingly shitty. For, for even the 90s or 80s. Yeah, yeah, it's really shitty. They don't explain much about him. Nothing's ever really revealed. People, as they do, take, you know, just what little bits they can find, and they, you know, go with them. You can probably find just a ton of different character uh, ideas for him out there. Yeah. Um, that's what we know about him from the game itself, from the first game, because I think, I think it, he, he only shows up in the first one. Yep. Is, he's a dude who for some fucking reason will stay in this haunted kids amusement facility for like a week straight as the animatronics try to break in and get to him. And he knows they're trying to get to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he's like, you know, the the primary characters are the animatronics and then you have you and you're basically a secondary character to showcase how horrifying these things are. 
Yeah. And then there's a third character, and he's the narrator who is voiced by Scott. He's he's the day shift night uh, guard or whatever oh, who right. leaves the you messages. Guy, quote unquote. Yeah. He leaves you little messages explaining how the game works and eventually dies. As is his place in the world. Right? Um, yeah. What else is there in that place? Just in the first one? Um, yeah, just in the first one. Because in the second game, you get into the toy. Uh, well, maybe yeah. we can get into the toy ones. I mean, we'll probably bring into them later. So, yeah, explain the toy concept. Okay. In the second game. Uh, it, as, it, as we've mentioned before, it's a prequel. And uh, they were. Because the. Originals were so horrifying. They attempted to make cuter ones with rosy cheeks. And, uh, you know, they played more modern uh, instruments and the like. And they were literally just the same names, but toy in the front. On top of that, there was The Mangle, which was a Foxy uh, remake. I don't really understand the Foxy remake. It was an animatronic that children just kept breaking. These children are shitty. And they kept breaking it, and they keep putting it back together. But the kids would keep breaking it. So eventually they were like, okay, we're just going to leave it out and the kids can put it together all they want. So eventually it's just like this horrible spidery... Uh, yeah, it's like a bunch of broken hydraulic tubing and gears and switches and stuff. Yeah. You know, that was a Foxy animatronic. Yeah. Well, who would leave... And it was like in a play area. It was like in a Build-A-Bear workshop area. But yeah. it's like this twisted metal and, you know, broken rebar. It was the 80s. What the fuck? I think it was the 70s. 80s. Like, like who... How is that a, how is that a, you could just go to a scrapyard for that. Yeah, basically. And then there's the, uh, the prize counter puppet. Yeah, yeah, the one you had to, uh, play a music box to put to sleep. And there's a lot of implications about that that I'd have to actually look up, because I have not touched the second game and just, I don't think I ever beat that one. Oh, fuck. They're all so hard looking, because I, I have no stomach for jump scares. Yeah, and said so you bought them for me, so. Well, yeah, that's. That's that's the that's the pleasure is watching someone else go through it. My God, it's so good. So yeah, one thing to add is in the first, in the first game was that they gave the first implications of the haunting in that uh, in one specific hallway. If you looked at on like the fifth or sixth night, a picture of some children would be replaced with a newspaper that explained about the horrible grisly disappearance or murder of like five children. Huh. four or five, and that was the whole. You know, they were stuffed into the suits and. Uh, that happens. Yeah, the purple man. Mm. Who's just a security guard, apparently. Just a really shitty security guard. Yeah. Uh, I think they eventually reveal that one part of uh, the store or whatever, or the, the facility was wallpapered over and there was just a body left in there. I think so, yeah. Um, that was where he'd go, because the animatronics couldn't get in there. Mm-hmm. So he'd wear the suit, one of the spring trap suits. And he'd lure children back there and murder them. And it's implied he's done this multiple times at multiple different uh, chains. Because that's just his M.O. as the serial killer. Yeah. Oh, and there's the balloon boy. Yeah. Oh, shit. In the second game, they can get into the vent, so you have a vent camera. Oh, right. Why is there a vent camera? Specifically for that, I guess. Like, like, did they know? How could they know? Who would plan for this? It's also implied that people just constantly gone missing and they just cover it up as oh they just never came back for another shift if they go missing and the store has vent cameras if i was the detective on this case i would be fucking suspicious <laughs> i think it's a play that's just set in a really shitty world where no one cares fuck and then there's the third game which takes place after the uh the other two games where people are reviving the store as kind of a kitschy horror place 
Yep. And they find one animatronic. They don't even know where it came from. It just appears one night. I don't think... It, yeah, the first night, it's not even there. There's no threats in the first uh, night. On the first night, yeah, you're in a room, and you're getting hallucinations, and you have to reboot your systems and stuff. And then by the second night, the the, the, the new opponent, Springtrap, shows up. <coughs> And Springtrap is one of those endoskeletons or whatever. No, he's not. <laughs> oh, it's not? It's, it's just it's just uh, a suit. It's a suit with the corpse of uh, someone inside it. Yeah, with all the rebar and stuff stuffed into it, it's all mummified. So, like, when the thing jumps at you at the screen and opens its mouth, you can actually see its face inside. Yep. It's horrifying. Yeah. And the fourth game, you're a kid at home, and you can move in this one, can't you? Yeah, it's implied you're... Uh, so I end that. Stuff, that's that's yeah. too ridiculous. But you're a kid in your home at night, and your parents aren't around, and you can move to different rooms, right? <laughs> no, you're in your one room, and you have four options. You can look behind you on the bed. You can lean up against the left door. You can lean up against the right door, or you can look in the closet. Wait, there are two doors going into your bedroom. Yep, that's really bad feng shui. Yeah. Um, Jesus H Christ, you're a little kid. In, uh, in your house at night, and the animatronics are coming for you. Yeah, and in this one, if you flash the light, the flashlight outside, they will kill you. So what you have to do is just lean up against the door and listen for their breathing. And if they're breathing out there, you slam the door shut. Jesus Christ. Initially, you have to look behind you because there will be Freddy horrible dolls on the, on the bed. And if there's more than three of them, then real Freddy's there, and he will eat your face. Well, how do you prevent that? You flash the light out at them. And it makes the little dolls go away? Yeah, they go back under the bed. What the fuck? And then if you open the closet, there's a foxy toy in there. And if you don't look often enough, it becomes the real foxy. And then he eventually just jumps out of the closet at you. So. Jesus H. Christ. Yeah, they really amped up the horror in that one. Because it's also like they're all decrepit. And... These are all like fears people and children have. Yep. You're a little kid in your bedroom and your toys that look different in the shadows are going to murder you? Yep. You know, you're a dude, and there's like a mummified like toy, or like a mummified, you know, animatronic trying to get you. And you don't have a lock for your door. Oh, they changed the the system up with that, where you have to set play noises, like horror noises, in various parts because they're like, you to know, distract it. Yeah, and it'll follow the noise sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and when you put your uh, screen down, he's at, he'll actually be there outside, like the window that goes into the rest of the facility, watching you. Yep, staring at you. It's not awesome. <laughs> And there is a fifth one coming out called Sister's Location, where uh, the animatronics, their faces break open into four sections, like a, like a predator maw. Mm-hmm. It's not awesome. And they're like clown dolls and stuff. I don't really know anything. They look kind of Harley Quinnish. Like, they're, 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 they're cutesy little, like, it looks like it's, like, like it's for girls. Yeah, yeah, basically. I don't want to say for girls, but that's kind of what the appeal seems to be. It's, it's like, ballerinas and stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's so. a little more... Princessy, mm-hmm. maybe I don't know. Jesus Christ! <laughs> this is all so horrifying. Just, just hearing about it, I don't want to play these games. Yeah, it does give us a lot of material for the uh, tabletop game, though. So I suppose no. it does. <laughs> so yeah, listeners, that this is the first arc right now. If you're uh, if you're a fan of Five Nights at Freddy's, or if you're a fan of Orpheus, an unconventional hauntings and uh, Orpheus missions, 
then the first one is uh, pretty good. We had a lot of fun recording the first session. Oh yeah, it was very humorous. I found it was still fun. Keeping creepiness. It, it was it was humorous in kind of um, I don't want to say like like a well written movie or TV show, but for us it was very off the cuff, very fast, very very back and forth. Mm-hmm. There, there there was a lot of energy in this one. Yeah, yeah. All right, I think that's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm Devin, and I'm Kevin, and that is us signing off for Orpheus. Later.